Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jeff. Wow, that sounded really good. Thank you. Now, now I feel like I should do something like that next time. And I'm Jeff, sitting in for Jeff, <laughs> who couldn't be here tonight <laughs> because he is doing top secret government work. Top secret. Thanks, Chad. And with us today is Joe Boschin, uh, Supreme Leader of Open Source. That's what for I hear. ZOS. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate the title. Supreme Leader. Mm -hmm. So that's because you're all alone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, isolated leader might be also <laughs> appropriate. Um, but yeah, we hope to get more people involved in the open source um, footprint on ZOS and, and IBM Z in general over time. Um, so yeah, that's what we're here to talk about. Right? Um, <laughs> open source on the mainframe, though, does, isn't it? Just run its own wacky proprietary code and sit there oh, and beep yeah. all day. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, sure, it does that, but it does more than that, right? Um, we've we've had open source on the platform for for a long time, if you think about it, right? You can go back to the days of Java. Um, you know, when Java was new on the platform, and uh, that's really maybe our first deep plunge in into the open source environment in general. And, um, you know, in the years past, uh, there's a lot of offerings that go out that contain open source in one form or another. And uh, what we're looking to do now on, on, uh, on ZOS is, uh, is get to the point where it's easier to move new projects onto the platform than it has been in the past, right? Uh, in the past, we've, we've come out, as I said, with offerings that contain open source that are configurations of perhaps several packages from a lot of different projects. And then we, we put the IBM label on them and we release them as a product. Right. right. And uh, we want to get to the point where, um, where it's a little bit easier, where we act more like the open source community does when it comes to bringing new things to the platform. So, for instance, um, Open Data Analytics has been around on the platform for probably almost three years now, which is a, a large collection of different Python and Java-based uh, applications that run on the platform and can be configured to do all sorts of analytics uh, tasks based on um, data that it gets off of ZOS. And the whole value proposition there is bring your compute to your data and uh, compute things in place and then you can federate any results that you get from that with your broader enterprise off on other platforms uh, on ZOS, on Linux on Z for that matter. And, and the only way that that will ever work is if you're able to have a good strategy for open source software because mm -hmm. the reason Python works very well for data science is because the first 20 lines are just including all these other libraries. You right, need. exactly. And so there's a very robust um, community out there that's grown up um, around all of these different uh, stacks that have been built using Python, using Java, using languages like Scala and R and things like that. And so when we brought all of that technology to the platform, uh, we were really sort of uh, diving in the really deep end of the pool as far as open source. There are roughly 15 million lines of open source code in open data analytics, wow. uh, 250 different packages just on the Python side, and that's not counting Spark. Um, and then there's a lot of other Spark libraries that go along you know, with that. And if you add all that up, you've essentially got an entire new layer of, of the operating system sitting on top, right? And so um, what we want to do is we want to take the effort that we started with analytics and we want to broaden it to, to other tasks, right? So 
that we can generalize open source for all sorts of other purposes like DevOps or you know continuous integration, um, CI/CD, that kind of stuff. And we not only want to do it ourselves for our own development processes, but we want it for our customers as well. So. I don't know. This sounds kind of dangerous, right? Am, am I opening myself up for some security? I love the character of facetious Frank on these <laughs> yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it, the, the open source community has, has really matured over the years in terms of um, how they address security, right? And in the early days, it was like, you know, make it and, and make sure that it's free and available for everyone to use, right? But but they really have taken the the topic of security quite seriously over the years, and there's a lot of infrastructure and process in place to identify vulnerabilities, to try to you know get uh, I get them identified and get them dealt with as early as possible in the process, so that you can uh, you can keep uh, from deploying um, malware out there in the field. So it's not a perfect process, um, and if you compare it to you know some of the requirements on Z, um, it might even be um, deficient. But it it, it exists, and um, it's robust, and it's um, it's applicable to this platform. So part of what we have to do in order to build trust in the Z community for open source is explain that right. These are all the things that the open source community does today. This is how. Um, this is how seriously they take it. And if that meets some of your expectations from a security standpoint, that's great. If you, as a, say, a sysadmin or an IT architect on Z, find that insufficient, well, then let's have a discussion and, and there are ways we can mitigate that, right? And so really, given where we are right now, we're kind of at the point where we need to explore um, perhaps any gaps in, in the security infrastructure. Uh, and then and then go off and and resolve those in ways that not only work on Z but also work for the open source community. And in fact, as we move forward through this, I'm looking forward to um, possibly becoming sort of a uh, uh, a reference platform, right? Where we can where we can start to broaden some of the uh, the security um, practices that that we have on this platform. Do you see us um, over time vetting uh, different products and making that? a part of the thing, the service that we provide? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that actually would, would probably wind up being one of the things that we identify as a, you know, a strength, a, a value add that we can bring to the security game, right, is that we want, we want it to be very um, public and very well known and well understood that, that we take this seriously and that we can, we can explain our process to everyone uh, we can even have them replicated as well so that the burden's not all on us to, to you know, sort of prove that we have a secure platform um, and a, a secure layer on top of that platform. So definitely it's, it's one, of the, um, one of the most important things we're going to do with open source. But imagine um, approved for Z would be a great kind of security moniker for yeah. open source. Yeah, absolutely. And um, – that's one of the things we, we have to get good at and what we have to grow into is the idea that you're going to you, – you can tag, certify, or approve things and, and that has meaning. It has value um, so that when we go and we say this product or this project runs on Z, we can put the Z label behind it. We can put the IBM label behind it and say it's been certified and it meets all these requirements, right? So this is another, another way that we try to build trust in the community. But this is very different from the way IBM has done stuff in the past, right? In the past, it's always, hey, we'll take these things on and we'll turn it into a product, if you will. 
This isn't like that, right? No. And, um, and, and the idea is that um, we can put we can put put certain terms and conditions on on the labels and the certifications that we that, that we put forward going forward, and we can say, look, if you can meet these requirements, then um, you you can get this label, right? And um, and we don't have to do all the work ourselves. The thing is, we as IBM, even if we devoted all of IBM to this cause, um, could not possibly. Um, develop and maintain and test everything ourselves, right? The community is just way too large right. out there in the open source world. It's, it sounds like it's a bit of a daunting task because I know there, there are some customers who are just like, we can't run open source stuff because it need, we need you know, to know who wrote it, who can fix it, and this is an open source thing. Right. At the same time, we're also up against like, well, I can run this open source thing and it just kind of works over there. Right. So how do you, how do you play that smart? <laughs> um, well, uh, as, you know, as with everything – that's Z related, right? We don't do it a little bit. We do it a lot if we do it at all, <laughs> right? So if we're going to bring uh, a project to the platform, right, there's going to be, um, you have to answer the enterprise questions. And so when it comes to the idea of support, then we start getting into, well, now we, we need to think about um, how are we going to be an integrator and a distributor of this kind of stuff, or at least a, a service provider, right? So look at, look at Red Hat, look at Cloudera, look at any of these other Distributors out there, they take open source and they stand behind it and they say, if you have a problem, come to us. We'll debug it. We'll, we'll be your point of contact with the open source community. And so we can, we can provide those kind of services along with our vendor, uh, our, our associated vendors, our partners and, and people like that. So we kind of have to, um, in the open source community, maybe take a half a step back and not, not look at it as this is our product that we have to develop and deploy. What we want to do is we want to say, okay, this is our configuration of open source that someone else has created. Mm -hmm. We understand it and we can recommend it and we will stand behind it and support it as an integrator of that, right? And there are good business models that already exist for that. So it's a, it's a proven way of doing things. And you're not really doing this alone, right? This isn't a, just an IBM thing, right? Right. So, like, for instance, uh, if you look at the Zoe project out there, um, you know, under open mainframe, uh, the open mainframe project, uh, that's, a, that's an, a, an association of what, us and Rocket and, uh, and CA Broadcom, right? And um, that's already a, a group that's, that's beginning to, um, you know, show, bear some fruit, right, in the open source community. And that's an interesting community because the goal there is not only to be open source, but to develop interfaces for ZOS resources, right? So um, the idea being, uh, this is a place where, say, if you come up with a new tool or um, a new API, you can publish it there under Zoe and then have all of the open source um, governance and things that go along with that. And that's a great way to do business, right? What we're trying to do is uh, with open source on Z is establish a sister project to that eventually that um, will allow us to assist others who have a project that they want to bring to the platform and say, look, this is how you do it, Right. 99% of the way you do business today also applies in this arena, but these are the things you have to watch out for, right? And also, um, we'll help you with things like finding a system to run on, stuff like that, right? So, um, yeah, that's, what we're, that's, where, that's where we're trying to go next. Right. Is that kind of the role that you're taking on? Is that kind of ecosystem support or are you doing more than that? Yeah. Um, well, certainly support the ecosystem, um, 
uh, take the knowledge and the expertise that we've already got, right, and and publish it to the world. Sometimes we 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 keep things, you know, internal. We can't, even though we we don't intend to keep things a secret, right? Uh, if you don't actively publish something, nobody knows about it, right? So you wake up one day and you go, "How come these people don't understand all this great stuff we're doing?" It's because <laughs> you haven't told anybody, right? So um, we have to get in the habit of doing that. Um, one great way to do that is to take all the changes that we've made to port things over to the platform and upstream the changes. That's just being a good open source citizen, right? Um, but it's something that if you don't take the active step to do it, then it's real easy to forget about and then you wind up accumulating technical debt over time. You wind up with all these special changes uh, and no one else can benefit from them, right? So we really have to um, exercise our open source um, muscles here and try to do um, do the right thing from the open source community. It's, it's interesting you talk about it that way because we have not been good at being transparent, right? And a big part of this is is a level of transparency that you don't normally see at IBM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're not. Um, it's not that we're we, we have any any special interest, right? There isn't there isn't a um, any kind of proprietary code here that we're trying to safeguard, right? And and um, for traditional developers, that's kind of your default behavior, right? It's like I created this thing and it's mine. And uh, I got to be careful. I don't just want to give this stuff away, right? Because I worked really hard on this and I got to make money off of it. You do the same thing in the open source community, right? You can still make money off of it, but you do it in a different way and you do it out in the open for everybody to see, right? And that's what we don't have a lot of practice at yet. Um, fortunately, I haven't run into any resistance to people saying, oh, no, you can't do that, right? right. Uh, everybody's kind of on board with it. But until you actually participate, it's like it's – like, uh, you know, it's something you just have to you have to practice to get good at. Well, I, I think a lot of what this this struggle will be or, or is right now is uh, a lot of people still associate open source and they do like a, a mental find and replace with free. Because <laughs> I know when I you know first started you know on, on oh. Linux and stuff, it's like okay, well I, I'm going to look for open source projects, not because I care about the ecosystem or because you know I I want to get the latest things. Like that's that's the free thing, right? So I can run that database and that web server without having to talk to a person about it or, you know, or pay anything. When we start talking about getting our changes uh, involved upstream mm -hmm. and getting certification, and that's that's where it's going to start getting uh, a whole lot more interesting and worthwhile, I think, for your, your typical mainframe customer. And we, we, we have some some obstacles right there. Um, we, can, we can take our code and, and I think largely the open source community would be open to uh, bringing that, those, those pull requests back into the code base. Um, that's not a problem. What What is a problem, though, is that you can't just find a Z machine anywhere to run on, right? And so we have to solve that kind of problem, access to the platform for the purposes of, develop, of development. Agreed. Right? right? So, um, you know, you can't go to Best Buy and, and, and buy one <laughs> of these boxes. So really what we need is something like a developer cloud, right? And, and we'll eventually get there, I think. Um, certainly for our corporate customers that already have Z in-house, they have the capabilities to go off and do these things, right? But we want to broaden this to a, a larger, a larger set of developers. Yeah, if only there was somebody who's focusing on that kind of stuff. Yeah, a different podcast for a different day. <laughs> <laughs> in in this world, um, do you see uh, clients playing? Oh yeah, um, right now, um, right now in in two four, for instance, right? We've already announced that 
we're going to support um, Docker containers on, on ZOS. And that opens up a whole new field of, of open source uh, deployment and, and uh, application architecture, right? And it's a very exciting area to be a part of. That's generated a lot of excitement with our corporate customers, right? And whether they think about it or not, um, they're going to be jumping into the open source pool, you know, completely. Um, a lot of I'm, I'm sure they know full well what they're doing, right? <laughs> um, but the point is that that sort of there by default, sort of um, moving in the open source direction anyhow, right? And so I don't think it's going to be a terribly tough sell these days. I think it's an idea whose times come, right? And it's it's time for us to show our enterprise corporate customers this is the best way forward, right? We all know there are pitfalls out there that you have to avoid, uh, and and we're here to help, right? So Let, let's say I, uh, I I work for for Banco Franco, <laughs> and uh, the the com- Banco Franco has always done things a, a certain way with a certain set of software. It's been you know proprietary stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have this new project coming in, and a bunch of my newer, younger, you know, developers are saying, "I want to build this with this open source database, for example, because it's what I'm used to. It's what I was taught, mm-hmm. and it does everything I needed to do." Um, what is the process like for starting a new process? And I'm not even talking about replacing, but using instead, like an open source database instead of something else. Well, um, yeah, the, certainly there. Are- in, internal internal architectural discussions have to go on at that particular client's uh, location and undoubtedly there will be politics involved there as well. Right. Um, I think that what we're doing with things like um, container extensions in ZOS enables, um, enables our customers some freedom to do things differently than they have before. The discussion before has always been well, it goes into you know this database with this type of infrastructure because that's what exists on the platform. Right. By opening these things up now, we give them choices, and um, if we do a good job as as a ZOS development organization, we'll we'll be able to pr- uh, provide um, guidance on all the different creative ways they can now think about. Um, deploying open source in ways that were just not even part of the conversation before. So it's not it's it's like not as big a deal once we prove that right. they can do these one offs because it's part of a process. Yeah, sure. And um, you know, it it takes time, right? So there will be um, the wheels of Banco Franco turn slowly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, it, even though even though it will take some time, it's it's going to happen. I mean, I think back even even ten years, uh, where have we gone with WebSphere and, and Java and and things like that. And and who would have thought that there would even be a thing like analytics on this platform, you know, 10 years ago? Um, we've come a long ways in a short period of time, even though it really feels like it's taken a long time. <laughs> it certainly does. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we were kind of talking about this before, you know, pull, pulling back the, the curtain. But, mm-hmm. like, can you think about, like, what is the first time that we – we've always had, like, you know, not always, but there's been, like, the melon mods and that type of um, doing finger quotes open source type stuff that – People worked on collectively and everyone ran. But when was the first time IBM said, here's some code not written by us and we're telling you it's okay to run this? Like is it – was it – you're saying probably parts of WebSphere? Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Component broker? Yeah. <laughs> component <laughs> broker, right. Um, I mean think, uh, think back to, um, well, the early days of Unix system services, right? We didn't port any code for USS. We wrote it all ourselves. But we started with – the POSIX, uh, the POSIX spec and the APIs that come with that. Uh, in addition to that, we brought over a shell 
that was, um, I think it was Mortis Kern Systems, right? They provided shell and utilities. That is that another upon. company or what is yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. That was a business partner of ours from Canada. Yeah. Years and long, years. A long time ago. Huh. A very long time ago. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm not going to say any more. Otherwise, I'll, I'll reveal how oh. long I've really been doing this. <laughs> um, but maybe that was the first time where um, where we brought code from somewhere else over to the platform um, and customer, that customers themselves didn't write and that IBM didn't write. And so with, um, with Unix system services, I think that's where it really all began, right? And then everything followed after that. Java came next and component broker and, and all of that. So really it had its genesis with USS, which by the way, as I'm thinking about this, right, USS is really sort of a place where IBM has demonstrated that we were thinking way ahead of time, right? <laughs> I mean, look, Windows 10 just came out with Linux interfaces, right? right? That is, you know, the Microsoft version of USS, right? And, uh, and, and Apple, right, the Mac operating system has, has always been a form of what next, wasn't it? Right? Yep. Um, and, and that's a relative newcomer. USS was there before all of that. It was before, there before Linux even existed, right? Right. So we're in some ways way ahead of the game, even though it doesn't seem that way. Um, and then Linux as an operating system, that was that was kind of unthought of. Like, okay, well, at least I can run this Java stuff within my operating system. I can throw it in an address space, and I know it's not going to poke out. Right. You want me to run a whole operating system that's been written by people from the internet? Like, are you crazy? <laughs> like, have you seen the internet? Yeah. <laughs> well, I used to love, uh, and I might have mentioned this on a earlier podcast. I, I used to love to go into uh, different CIOs and and have them stand there with their direct reports and say, you know, we don't run any Linux here, and then have, you know, all the direct reports suddenly really interested in their shoes, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yes, boss, we do. <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. That, that new thing you're so proud of that we yeah, got yeah. it running in a week, it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And remember, as the old guy in the room, I have to remind people that ZOS was originally, or MVS actually, was originally open source. That's right. And we talk about Jazz, um, Jazz 2 and Jazz 3 were not written by IBM. They were written by clients. So um, we do have like a, a very uh, rich history in open source. It's been, it's been lost for a few years as we haven't really been focusing on it. But um, I, I'm just really excited about the idea of of connecting the things that we have done since we had to go from open source to to, to OCO, and then um, and then now, kind of embracing a hybrid of the two, I think is is really really important. What, what's 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 OCO? Oh, uh, object code only. Sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and the and the fact that we're not like, well, this is the open source zone of the operating system. Nothing shall leave here. Right. It's it's it is right. intertwined. Is uh, I think it says a lot to our direction. So yeah. what's 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 the future hold? Yeah. So um, well, certainly as I mentioned, container extensions is there. I think there's going to be a lot that builds off of that. Um, with container extensions, we're actually running a Linux kernel in, an, in a ZOS address space, and that's again an idea that's been kicking around inside of the development organization for probably ten years, right? And people said, well, we need to get Linux, you know, in an address space so that we can run various kinds of code alongside our traditional workloads, and then we'll will stitch things together so that they can they can work closely. Um, and I heard a lot of different ideas about how that ought to be implemented, and a lot of them are just non-starters, right? It's, it's like, 
uh, we're going to come out with the IBM Linux distro and or the Z Linux distro, which is even worse. Of right? course. Yeah. <laughs> hey, come and get Z. You know, uh, well, you can't even come up with a set of terms that haven't already been used, right? Um, and the customers are just pulling out their wallets so quickly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, um, but this this implementation that they've come up with is a really good idea, and um, um, I'm I'm really impressed with the testing that we've been doing with it. To, that we can do stuff with Docker just like we can on any other platform, and it's really impressive. And they've done a nice job of putting the kernel in the proper place and restricting access to it, and yet still externalizing the function that's necessary in order to deliver real value. Right. So you can go off and pull a Docker container from Docker or a Docker image from Docker Hub and run it. And it doesn't matter, um, you know, which one it is. They all run because you've got it on top of a real Linux kernel. And um, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about the implementation uh, as we work through this with some of our beta customers. You know, they're pointing out um, it would be nice if we had this or we had that. And we're in very productive discussions with them about what we – should do and what we shouldn't do. And and there's really – it's working quite well. We're, we're really and this is kind of interesting that, that um, what we're talking about is the culmination of a bunch of different things, right? So, so Linux in ZOS was kind of problematic. Um, but because we're talking about containers and containers is something that we've known for a very long time – is very valuable, right? Containers are kind of address spaces that aren't quite as powerful, right? So, mm -hmm. so we know the value. Suddenly, taking that concept and and putting it in Linux on ZOS allows me to start taking advantage of things that you couldn't do anywhere else, and right. it's a really powerful thing. Yeah, and and um, one of the things we're beginning to appreciate more and more as we talk about this with customers is that. The particular way we've implemented these container extensions allows us to, in a, in a sense, put another wall around um, the open source deployment. So if you're a customer who's really worried about open source, what we can do with a, a, a container extensions appliance running on ZOS is say, if you don't fully trust this, right, you can sandbox it in, a, in effect uh, inside of a container extensions appliance and then – if something were to go wrong with it, the only thing that you've lost control of is what's inside that box. They, you can't get outside that box and there's, there's lots of you know, um, barriers in the way to prevent things from happening, right? So if, you, if your trust is limited in this particular project, this is a, a safe place to put it and still try it out, right? So that, that I think is going to be a really useful key feature of, of, uh, of this implementation. I don't think I've seen the landscape of Z change as much in the past three years as I have my prior 15 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, Frank, you can go back much, <laughs> much, much further. Yeah. But it is. It's an exciting time to be dealing with the platform because of the fact that we are really talking about melding um, two different mindsets um, in a really, really powerful hybrid. Mm -hmm. At the very least, I think we should probably um, recalibrate our idea of what new is on the platform because <laughs> I still hear people saying, yeah, did you know that we can run Linux here? <laughs> and um, I have to tell people, do you realize we have new hires who are younger than Linux on the mainframe <laughs> at this point? So, yeah, the, the whole idea of like what's new, uh, you always used to say, uh, 
you know that Java is a legacy language? Yeah. Right? It's like, well, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that's, you know, and Pearl Jam is on classic rock too. Like <laughs> at some point things graduate. <laughs> exactly. So this, exactly. the only way something becomes established and the way it is, is by becoming new mm-hmm. at some point. It was it was interesting because at the last share I was I was talking about Python a lot and um, you you get some of the the system administrators who have been around for a long time saying, you know all these new languages and everything uh, they're they're going you know which ones are real and which ones are going to die out right and and so that's a valid question right. right there are a lot of new languages out there that you think oh well this is the popular one that's getting everybody's attention. But until you you sort of dig into it and learn about it, you figure, oh, this is the domain of this thing. It's a it's a small thing for a specific purpose, right? And so you have to learn what to pay attention to and what not. And so I'm talking about Python, which everybody sort of lumps in with all the other special purpose yeah. languages that are out there. I'm going to put this in the pile with all the new stuff it's yeah. next to blockchain. <laughs> <Yeah>. and- <laughs> so. So when I got back, um, you know, people in particular were, you know, that's a system admin crowd, right? That that that's sort of the the, the center of mass of, the, of that particular um, mm-hmm. conference. And so when I came back, I started looking around, and I thought, well, it would be nice if we had perhaps a, a share session on on the new languages, the quote unquote new languages. And uh, you know, uh, um, I thought about perhaps having a, a session on Python for Rex programmers, as an example. Right. And um, I said, well, how old is Python? I know Python isn't new. Python's 29 years old, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and Rex is like 35 years old. So there really isn't that much difference. It's just that we settled on one for ZOS and it's internal, right? Um, but Python's been around forever. And clearly it's something that's going to be a major player um, in the open source arena going forward because there's such a rich library of runtime environments out there. Um, and so uh, I went back... Um, to my to my office, and I got out my Rex book, which I had printed off. Um, it's a postscript uh, file that I printed <laughs> off. Uh, I mean, you don't have longer, the, the book long, with the playing cards on it. No, and it's so old. I thought I had the original copy. I thought it was almost in scroll form. It was so old, right? <laughs> and, and I thought I have the original one. And I looked, and it was Rex version three dot zero dot one. <laughs> and it was so old, it was spelled with only one X. Right? Wow! Because Rex was originally R E X. Right. And. Um, so I took a picture and sent it to one of my teammates and he goes, you know, I wasn't even born when you printed that. <laughs> and so, you know. And right. you had some words with this manager about yeah. bullying. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's that, that bar of where something is old and where something is new. I mean, there's – we have to get past the spite of, of this wasn't here when I, you know, when I learned it uh, as being the, the baseline. Because <laughs> there, there are people who will just wait something out. And, you know, after 30 years, say, oh, people are moving on from Swift to this other thing and say, oh, I waited it out. I told you this wouldn't stick around. <laughs> <Right>. like, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and just a, a vote of confidence in the, in the newest generation of, of uh, developers that we've got coming in, you know, from, from college these days, right? Um, we've had an influx of, of new talent coming into, into the site for a long time now. And um, what, I, what I value in, in the new – the new set of developers coming in is that they they don't expect things to take a long time, and that's a good thing to keep you moving forward, right? Mm. There's a certain momentum in this group, and they can get frustrated by the pace at which things happen, and and that's healthy for us because we we shouldn't we shouldn't think things need to take a long time, right? They, it should be do it, it should work. If it doesn't work, find something else that does, and keep going forward. Right? Do you see that as one of the 
kind of side benefits of having open source is that it will start to move um, ZOS and not just ZOS IBM, but but the kind of the community. Do you see it moving them faster as a side benefit? Yeah, I think so. And and one of the things you have to tolerate as a, a price of playing in this game is people reinventing the wheel, right? They're going to do it every every two or three years. Somebody's going to come up with a new framework for doing the same thing again. I just discovered message queuing. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. and, and as an example, build tools. Uh, you know, I, I thought when I learned Ant – uh, years ago, <laughs> that that was it, and I was like, that, "This thing is great, awesome, right? It's it's terrific. Who could want anything more?" <laughs> and since then, I'm just I'm constantly um, befuddled, you know, that somebody's got to come up with a different way of doing it, um, and it it is a little frustrating, and it's a little messy and chaotic, right? So if if you're one who who thinks, well, this is the one way to do things, and I can't tolerate three ways to do things, um, yeah, then it's going to be difficult, right? But um, it's not that bad, right? It's, it, uh, and it is what keeps the, the creative environment going forward. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, we do have to reinvent ourselves in, in certain ways. And, and you think at first when you, when you start out sort of on a, a journey of, of reengineering things, well, I'm just doing the same thing in a different way. And that matters, Right, and at first you'll get a lot of people say, "Well, it doesn't matter." Um, you know, why are you wasting your time mm -hmm. just trying to figure out new ways to do the same thing? Because when you do it a new way, you will pick up other things along the way that will um, move you ahead of your competitor. Well, we're um, we're actually beyond the bottom of the hour oh. here. Okay, uh, so we're going to have to find like eight minutes to cut out. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, um, this is obviously a, a topic that's important to to all of us. So we we may have to have you come back because there are a bunch of questions I still want to ask. Yeah, and um, it would be really cool to to maybe do another open source session. Okay. I, I heard at least three spinoff episodes just on this one alone. Right. Yeah. We're going to have to have uh, somebody come and talk a little bit about container extensions. Yeah. Oh, yes, we will. I think yeah. I know who we should call. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. In the meantime, right. I want to thank you, Joe, for, sure. for hanging out with us. This, is, this has really been, to me, a really, really special episode. Yeah. And Thanks. I would like to encourage people to go out there and do the Twitter stuff. We're at Terminal Talk. Um, spread the word around. Oh. Hi, Sheila. Hey, How's it going? Sheila. <laughs> keep keep uh, that in. At, at Sheila FL, I think. <laughs> I think that's her name. Yeah, and it would be nice if you could like us. Uh, yeah. It would be great to, to hear any feedback you have. I mean, we already know you like us, but let's, mm -hmm. like, make it official and, like, <laughs> click on some stars, preferably five. Yeah. Yeah, but, write a review, click on some stars, do all that kind of stuff. We really would like to hear from you. Yep. In the meantime, old man Charlie, run us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at terminaltalk.net. That's contact at terminaltalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off. <laughs>